Good morning. Welcome to worship here at MCC. If you don't know me, my name is Jamie Moore. I serve as co-senior pastor here. And if you're watching online, we're glad that you're here as well. Uh, if you are a visitor or a guest with us, we want you to know that we're glad that you're here. And we want you to know that we actually have a gift for you. So if you're a visitor here, if you'll head out into the connection place, into this connection area right here after the service, we actually have a gift for you. We just want to get some information about you, know how we can be praying for you. But actually, it's a book that I wrote and a CD that Raz and his team put together. So it, just as a gift for you all. So please go get that in the back uh, after the service. And second thing I want to mention, if you noticed, we did not start the service early we're just having music in the sanctuary and in this space as a preparation for worship. So if you got online and you saw stuff happening and music happening, you're not late. We're just preparing the space for the presence of God and being mindful of why we're here and what we're doing when we come to worship. Um, I want to invite some missionary friends of ours. This is the Heaths. If the Heaths, will you come on up and will you honor them as they come up and share with us? Dr. David and Carlene Heath. Thank you. It's so good to be back with you, and uh, Carly and I were just talking that you all have been partners with us for 27 plus years, and uh, we just appreciate your prayers and your faithfulness with us. Uh, go ahead and put the first slide on. Many of you know that we have been involved with five of the fi over 500 languages in Nigeria, and uh, we've had the privilege of doing Bible translation and other things, and we'll get into that. You can go to the next one. So one of the things that you've probably heard about is there's been a lot of kidnappings in the area, and some of that started uh, as early as 2016, 2017, and uh, the first two pictures, those guys have been directly involved with family members and the first one himself, and the third one was an attempted one, that uh, kidnapping just uh, within the last year. You can go to the next one. So you can see where the five languages are, and then you can see that in the uh, Etun area is where our translation center is, and if you can go to the next slide. Um, so one of the guys that was killed recently was one of the secretaries for the Suvadi language with his two-year-old son. And it became more and more personal because this man, uh, his name's Leviticus, uh, he had been a real cheerleader and an encouragement to the translation team members, and uh, they could really sense a real loss with um, his passing. And it was interesting. They said, we're just praying that God will raise up another person that ha will have that much enthusiasm to continue to encourage us. But then you've heard about the refugees in the area, and one of the things that really has touched my heart as a missionary to see the Christians in our area really embrace the refugees. And they didn't look at it as a problem. They saw it as an opportunity to minister. And I tell you, that really just touched my heart. And I'm like, yes, God, this is, this is what we're here about. Go ahead. Next one, please. So we've had um, some school kidnappings, one just down the road from us about maybe less than 50 miles uh, that one was like 74 uh, students and teachers. And then uh, just last July in Kaduna, there was uh, 121 uh, students and, and teachers that were kidnapped. And so it's an ongoing problem. In fact, uh, we want to go back to Nigeria now that Corona's um, 
we're able to actually get back into the country, but right now our administration wouldn't even allow us to go into the language area because of the the kidnappings and the bandits that are going in the area. And so we're just praying that God will do a work because it's a God-sized problem. Go to the next one, please. Now, this is a really weird picture, but I, this man, his name is Ilya, and you would know this as Elijah. He, he's a, he was a Muslim, and he watched the Jesus film, and he gave his life to Christ. <laughs> and right here, he's spreading out his arms, and he was explaining what he saw on the film and how God touched his heart that the God of the universe loved him so much to die for his sins. And uh, he led, I believe, six or seven people within a short time to come to know Christ. This morning, I just got another text about another Muslim that just came to know the Lord. Very similar situation. Go to the next slide, please. So despite all the things that have been going on with corona and us not being able to go physically, they've been able to send us translation work and we've been able to get some works done. You can see the five languages there and some of the works and go to the next one. I just want to highlight one of the things we're excited about is getting the scriptures into scripture videos because a lot of these people, they don't know how to read real well yet. We do use audio Bibles, but to actually see things really clicks for them when the people in our area saw the acts video they were amazed they said we never understood that the new christian new testament christians were persecuted like that and i'm like really but it really hit them to see it and just show the last slide so just seeing things like paul and silas in prison or seeing what the high priests look like and and so forth in these videos really helps bring them there and helps the scripture comes alive. And we just wanted to thank you for your partnership with us uh, because it's exciting what God is doing. Thank you. I love that as a church, we are committed to long-term investment. With How long have you guys been involved with MCC? Just as About 27 years. 27 years. So how can we, I know I'm putting you on the spot, how specifically can we pray this week for you guys and for this work? What specifically can we pray for? Well, just that God would open the doors at the right time for us to go back. Uh, we really long to be with the teams and encourage them, whether it's on a month-long trip or whether the Lord allows us to go for a longer extended amount of time. But there's just certain things in our lives that we need the Lord to resolve some issues. And um, so that, that would be great. Okay. Thank Church you. family, let's go after that. Can we go after that? Will you extend your hand towards the Heaths? I want to pray for them. Father, we thank you for this family. We thank you for their ministry and their service to you and to these people in Nigeria. We thank you for their service to your word that is living and active. And Father, I ask for supernatural breakthrough in the circumstances of this family's life right now. I ask that you will make a way for them to get back, that you will make a way for them to be face-to-face -face with these who they love and are serving. That just as Paul asked for prayers that the gospel would continue, and he, he would be able to continue to go, we pray for the Heath family that they would be able to continue to go.
And for all restrictions, I ask supernaturally, Holy Spirit, that you would smooth the way for them. I ask for healing. I ask for deep joy in their family. And Father, we pray specifically for protection over these in Nigeria. I ask for peace over families who have lost loved ones, husbands, fathers, and children, and mothers and daughters. I ask for protection, and I ask that your word would run swiftly through the continent of Africa, that your word and your kingdom would advance in great power. So we thank you for the heaths. We bless them, and we ask that you will continue to move, Abba, in this place. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord together. Let's stand and worship.
failures, bring your addictions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting, God so loved the I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, maker of heaven, creator of the
mountains broken and scattered in this we gathered it and low empty-handed but not forsaken heaven set
so much for worshiping with us. You can take a seat. Good morning. Thank you, Anna, and thank you for all these that have been serving us and leading in worship. We want to thank you very much. Glad to see you. If you don't know who I am, I mentioned this earlier in the service, but there were far less people at the very beginning of the service when I said this. So, if you do not know who I am, my name is Jamie Moore. I serve as co-senior pastor here, and uh, we are so glad that you are here with us, worshiping with us. Uh, if you would, turn into your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're starting a new sermon series entitled Exiles. Exiles. And while you're turning, uh, I wanted to tell you one of my favorite things is happening this week. It started a couple of days ago. Can you guess what it is? One of my favorite things that ever happens. What? Olympics. I love the Olympics. I love summer better than winter, but I love all Olympics. I love the pageantry of it. I love the, the national pride, specifically the American national pride, right? Um, I love watching the tallies of like China's got this many goals and America's got this many uh, the only downside of the Olympics happening in Tokyo is that you have to avoid all spoilers for what's happening if you want to watch it tonight. So don't tell me about Simone Biles. Don't tell me what happened. I want to watch it fresh, quote-unquote, fresh and live tonight, even though it has already happened. Exiles. Watching the Olympics, specifically the opening ceremony, um, I don't know if you noticed this, there was an Olympic group that came out right after the Greece team. Does anybody know what the, what the team that came right after Greece Friday night? The refugee Olympic team. The refugee Olympic team was started four years ago, five years ago, you know what I'm saying, uh, in Rio, Individuals who have been forced out of their native country but still want to compete in the Olympic, Olympic Games get an opportunity not to represent their home team, their national team, but actually to represent the refugee Olympic team. And as I saw, I'm telling you, as I saw that, and they're coming out, I'm like, oh my gosh. That's us. And by us, I mean Christians. And that's what this series is about. What does it mean to live as strangers and exiles in a land that is not our own, that is not really home for us? The big idea of the series is this. The 
present-day church is living in a culture that is increasingly hostile toward religion, authority, objective truth, and morality. And we can learn from biblical characters how to live as strangers and exiles in our surrounding culture while seeking our true home with Christ. That is the big idea of this series that we're in right now, is taking a look at individuals in the Old Testament and the New Testament that walked faithfully with God in a culture that was like, why are you doing that? Why are you behaving that way? Why are you praying to that God? Why are you choosing to stand firm on this particular issue? We're going to watch these individuals and examine them week after week and see how does this affect my walk in 2021 in Cincinnati, Ohio. And the sermon plan is going to go like this. I'm starting today with the introduction. Then we're going to look at these characters, Abram, Joseph, Daniel, and Rakshak and Benny, for all the VeggieTale fans out there, Esther, the disciples themselves, and then September 5th, we're going to have a special family sharing service where uh, we will share together as a family. So that's the plan with this sermon series. Uh, I've had several people, when they hear about this plan, see the plan, they're like, how did you not put Moses in there? And, and how did you not put all these other characters? I'm like, I know. We could do all of them because the Bible expresses what it, what it means to follow God is living as exile. So all the characters could work. We're just choosing these. Last thing I want to say by way of introduction, we're going to jump in. The Bible, when it talks about exiles, just so we're all framed well, when the Bible talks about exiles, it talks about it in a couple of different ways. The primary way is the Bible thinks about exiles as being forced out of their country because of judgment, right? So many times when we, when we hear exiles, we're thinking Israel and Judah were both taken into captivity because of what? Because of their sin. And they were actually taken to Assyria, to Babylon, and they experienced exile because of their sin. It was actually a judgment on them. So that's number way, one way. So there's an involuntary exile-ness. I don't know if that's a word, but I think you know what I'm saying. But then there were also voluntary exiles. Like that first one up there, Abram. Did Abram have a choice to leave the land of his father? Yeah, he did. So when the Bible talks about exiles, it talks about it at least those two ways. The involuntary, this is because of judgment and because of something that you've done. You are being sent away from your homeland. And then voluntary exile of following God into spaces that don't feel like home because we want to follow him. And then I want to show you the artwork. I want to honor Luke Motterwell. This is the artwork that Luke and Luke was playing bass over here. I'm so grateful for all the artists and the creatives and the designers here in this space. Uh, can we just honor all the people that like... Uh, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous that in one family you can sing that well, play that well, and create beautiful art, too. So, and beautiful babies. That's true, too. Look at this artwork. Um, and so, one thing about art is you don't want to explain it all, but um, you want to enjoy it and rather than having the guy like telling you everything about it. But you see these homes, and then you see these little sprinkled upside-down homes. 
that we are living in an upside-down kingdom. The kingdom of Christ is actually an upside-down kingdom. Where the world looks at Christians and says, huh? Exiles seeking a home. Okay, I'll stop talking about that. Let's look at the outline of the message this morning. It's going to be in three parts. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, looking at longing for home. And then we're going to look at an Old Testament. What is, what is an Old Testament understanding of what you should do as an exile? We're looking at seeking a king and his kingdom from Jeremiah 29. And then a New Testament command, what does it look like to be an exile? To waiting as a joyful, hopeful, non-anxious presence. That's Philippians 3. So we'll be a little Bible drilly. Hebrews 11, then we're going to be over in Jeremiah 29, then we're going to Philippians 3 as we look through this message, exiles. Let me pray, and we'll go for it. Father, I thank you for your presence here with us. I thank you that you have an agenda this morning to speak. And I thank you that I don't even know everything that you want to say. So, Father, I ask that you will speak directly, whether it's through my words or something else by your own spirit. Would you speak directly to your kids this morning? Would you help us understand what's on your mind this morning in these texts? And Jesus, we honor you. You are the king. We yield to you. We honor you. We thank you. We know that we have access to the Father because of you. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come now and teach and help us to understand the word. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give you this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 to 16. Hebrews 11, 13 to 16. The author of the book of Hebrews is going through in chapter 11 through these heroes of the faith. He's listing off all of these characters. Then he stops in verse 13. It's like, you know, he's like, pause, and I'm going to talk about these folks. And then he's going to continue to talk about them later. But during the pause, verse 13, he says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers, somebody say strangers, strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Now, there's a lot in this text, and I'm not going to be able to uh, successfully go through all of that, but I just want to pick up a couple of ideas. Do you see the word strangers and exiles? Strangers and exiles, the last part of verse 13. They acknowledge that they were strangers and exiles. This is foreigners. That's the word, foreigners, and resident aliens. These heroes of the faith, both that became before this verse 13 and those who are coming after all the, all the other heroes that he mentions, they understood themselves as being resident aliens 
in their spaces. They weren't tourists. They weren't going to Tokyo to spend three or four weeks and then go back to their house. They were residents. They were living in a place that was not their home. They were living in another place. I don't know if you're like me, that sometimes when I travel, um, even though I'm loving what I'm experiencing and smelling and eating, there is a part of me that's like, okay, when I get back home, there's a little bit of this. <sighs> you know what I'm saying? And it's not the place that, you, like Croatia, right? Royce and Liz just got back from Croatia. There's that feeling of, ah, okay, <laughs> I'm back. I'm back home. Not that I didn't enjoy what I was experiencing or I didn't enjoy what I was eating, but I'm home now. But that's a touristy thing. Like, I go somewhere, but I know I get to go back at some point. But for these, we say, this, is, this language is resident alien. This is, I'm living somewhere. I have a passport. I'm living in a place that is not my home. I've bought a house. I'm living somewhere that is not home. And it's interesting, even as these foreigners, these resident aliens, verse 14 says, they, they are making it clear that they are seeking a homeland. They're, they are in, intentionally diligently reaching after. That's what that verb means. Intentional reaching for home. Specifically, a homeland. Now you may say, okay, what does that have to do with me? You know, I think we all feel a sense of dislocation in life. You know what I'm talking about? Like that feeling of like, my life's good and all, but something's missing. Something is off. Why do people around me get sick? Why do I have such difficulty communicating with someone else? And they don't seem to understand what I'm saying, and I obviously don't understand what they're saying. There's this feeling that something is off. You know what I'm saying? And, and by the way, all of us experience, whether, whether we are conscious of it or not, all of us experience that dislocation. I don't have, to, I don't have time to get into it in the text. That dislocation is an effect of sin. It's called brokenness. Exile, the great exile, actually is not Israel or Judah. Do you know what the great exile is? Adam and Eve sent out of the garden. That is, in fact, the great exile. That is the great moment when all of humanity is sent out from their original home. Do you know, are you hearing what I'm saying? That is, the, that is the place where our hearts long to be. You say, a garden? I don't have a green thumb. I don't, you know, a garden? Actually, it's not because it's a garden. It's because Abba, the Father, is there. Because it's a home. Our dislocation, the feeling of something's not right, is because of sin. Your sin and my sin. And original sin in the world. What you and I long for the most is home. And I'm not talking about your address. I'm not even talking about your home church. You know what home you really long for? It is, in fact, the triune God. This is what Jesus says in John 14, 23. 
He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we, this is Jesus talking, the Father and I, we will come to him and make our home in him. Did you know that the God of the universe wants to make his home with you? And that is, in fact, exactly what you desire the most. That indwelling home of the Trinity is the third member of the Trinity, God himself, the Holy Spirit. That when I place my faith in Christ, dying on the cross for my sin, that he died in my place, my sin is exchanged for his righteousness. That God would die for me to get me back to himself. See, this dislocation, this booting out from the garden has caused such an issue that we cannot get back to God. We can't get back. We're doing everything we can to get back there, but we can't get back there on our own. And God has said, this is what I need from you. I need you to be holy and perfect, 100%, never sin. Right? And then we go... No, if you want to be with me, you must be holy and pure and perfect. And we're like, ooh, okay, how about for 15 minutes tomorrow? How about like for the first 15 seconds after I wake up before I pull out my phone? By the way, I'm not, that's, that's just my sin. <laughs> so what God does is he understands this problem. And we want to get home, and we keep finding all these false homes that don't work. It's called addiction. And we need to get back to that home, and we can't get back there because to be home means to be holy, perfect, and pure, and righteous. And God says, you know what I'm going to do? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come and be perfect, pure, holy, and righteous for them in their place. That's what Jesus, he is God. He's the God-man who lived a perfect, sinless life and then died on the cross for our sin and dislocation. For our exile, Jesus died. You see, Jesus was exiled so that we could be brought back home. What, what does Jesus say on the cross? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus himself experienced exile. There was never a time where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were not together 100% all the time. And Jesus comes out of that safe space. He is the first voluntary exile. We were involuntarily exiled, right? He's the first voluntary exile to come into our darkness and take it onto himself. So your brokenness and mine is put on Jesus on the cross. And by faith in Jesus, we receive the Father. We receive home. The first and greatest exile is you and I sinning and being separated from the Father. And then Jesus voluntarily exiles himself to come and take on that sin. That by grace through faith, we could return home. All of these Hebrew, all, all the characters in Hebrews chapter 11, you see what he said? They were looking forward to something, but they never saw it. You know what they were looking forward to? The Messiah Jesus. That's, that's one of the points he's making. All of these heroes of the faith were faithful because they were looking for this one who is to come, who is going to be their home. They're seeking a homeland. They want him. It's not a place. It's a person, Jesus. Jesus left his home 
to bring us out of exile and back home to him. That is the greatest truth about exile. (laughs) So I ask you, have you received this forgiveness? Have you said to Jesus, you know what? The way I'm doing life is actually not working for me. Like, I feel this dislocation, and I'm not able to fix it. Have you actually come to Jesus and said, Jesus, I need you in my life, and I give you my sin and brokenness, and I receive your perfect record so I could be at home with you, the Father, and the Holy Spirit? Have you done that? Second question, just very practically. Do you see these characters in the text Do you see these stories as your family story? One thing about being in exile is that when you're living in somewhere that is not your home, you need rhythms and patterns to remind you of who you are and who your people are, right? So Bible reading and rhythms of spiritual disciplines and gathering as a family to eat together and to remember Jesus together, these are not just disciplines that we do to check off the box, but it is exilic practices to remember who I am and whose I am. One of the best ways to survive in an exilic place is to remember where home is. And if I'm reading about Samson, and if I'm reading about Joseph, that's my family, even though I'm a Gentile, right? Paul said we're grafted in, right? So this is our family. You want to know one of the best ways to survive exile? (laughs) Be at home with Jesus and rehearse the family story again and again and again and again and again. Maybe that'll change the way you read the Bible. I'm not reading it because the pastor told me to read the Bible. Or some curriculum said, if you read the Bible every day, you'll grow in your faith. I'm actually reading it because this is my family story. And this is how I remember who I am. Seeking a homeland. Number two, let's switch over to Jeremiah 29. Because the argument is going to be, okay, well, seeking a homeland feels pretty passive, feels fairly monastic. You're just going to sit around and read the Bible. Come on. We're going to do something. We're just waiting around. We're just victims in exile. What are we going to do? So the Old Testament perspective is we're going to do something while we're in exile. We're not just waiting around. We're not just wait. Okay, Jesus, come. (laughs) Come, come. I just need to... Now, the Old Testament perspective, which is an interesting perspective, Jeremiah is speaking specifically to the exiles in Babylon has specific things for them to do. Namely, seek the king and seek his kingdom. Jeremiah 29, 11. And just a reminder, everyone loves this verse. Do you know that this is written to folks in exile who are not living at home, who are not living in places that they feel comfortable in, that are experiencing the judgment of God because of their sin? You know, everybody likes the coffee mug for I know the plans I have for you. Yes, you. The context of that passage is dark. They're in exile. Let's look at the text. 
For I, that's Yahweh, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me. There's that word seek again. You see it? You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So there is an active seeking after the king, and he makes a promise to them, I have plans. You're in exile right now, and it may feel like, what am I doing here? Why am I not at home? but I know what I'm doing. You're going to be here for a while, 70 years to be exact, he says later. But I have a plan for you. It's actually for your good, not for evil. And here's what's, eventually, you're going to call on me, you're going to seek after me, and you, you will be found. I will, you will find me, he says. And then he makes a promise to them that I will restore your fortunes. Now when we apply that to here, he's obviously meaning returning to the promised land. They rebuild the temple. But for us, as we look at that, we're also looking forward to that time when Jesus returns and makes all things right. But he says, seek me and you will find me, that there's this intentional seeking after him. But what I want you to see is back up to verse four. Not just seeking the king, because that's similar to our previous point, seeking home. But look what he says in verse four. Thus says the Lord of hosts, so Jeremiah sends this letter, to the exiles. Verse 4, he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, and then we have com imperative commands after another. He commands them to build houses. He commands them to live in them. He commands them to plant gardens and eat their produce. He commands them to take wives and have sons and daughters, to take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease, but seek, that's an imperative command again, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. So, as I'm seeking the king, I am also seeking his kingdom in this place that's not my home. That's why Jesus says, we're to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. There is a seeking after, not only home, this internal, personal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but I'm also seeking after his home, his kingdom, to come more and more into my spheres of influence, into this place that is not my home. Y'all seeing that? So that my neighborhood, I'm looking at my neighborhood and the people on my street, I'm looking at them as they need to experience the home that is the Father through the Son. How, how can I seek the welfare of this street? How can I seek the welfare of Cincinnati? How can I partner with missionaries and seek the welfare of Nigeria? How can we seek what is best? There is an active, intentional blessing of the people around me and the place where I find myself. So it's not just monastic. I'm seeking the Lord. I'm, I'm experiencing his presence. I'm in the word 
but I am stepping out, taking him with me into a place that is not my home and saying, would your kingdom come here too? There's an active seeking of the king and seeking his kingdom. So I ask you, just practically, how are you looking to intentionally bless your city? How are you looking to intentionally bless your street? How are you looking to intentionally bless the city of Cincinnati? What does it look like for your family to manifest, to see the manifestation, manifestation of the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven, on your street as it is in heaven? How are you intentionally seeking the kingdom of God in this place? And just a tip. From an oft-burned-out ministry guy, this is what I've learned. If I seek kingdom advancement without first seeking the king, I wear out. I'm just, I'm just, that's actually, that's a bonus. If, if, if I'm all about seeking the kingdom, I'm, I'm going to minister to people, I'm going to, my neighbors, cookies, blah, blah, blah. but I don't actually rest in the home that is the Father, I will not be as effective here. So take it from a burned out, an often burned out minister. Seek the king first, seek home, and then take that home with you wherever you go. Okay, New Testament perspective, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Paul writing to the church of Philippi, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, that is heaven, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This passage is really challenging <laughs> And I'm going to invite Cole to come up here and share a little bit. Cole, why don't you come on up here? I was just thinking about this concept. Our citizenship is in heaven. That means that, did you know that you may be an American citizen by way of uh, documentation? But you are, in fact, not an American citizen when it comes to the spiritual realm. That's what that verse says. And I want to invite Cole up here. Uh, as a missionary kid, and just talk about the, uh, the disorientation, or however you want to talk about it, the disorientation about living in two cultures, what's home, what's not home. Just talk a little bit to us. I often play a little game with people where after 10 minutes of conversation, I ask them to guess where I'm from. 
maybe 20 minutes. And around here, generally, I get Indian Hill. Um, generally, I get <laughs> Connecticut, though, uh, and it's kind of obvious. But I'm actually from Africa, I would say that. I would, yeah, I'm from Africa. And uh, I yeah. moved here when I was 14. I not only moved to America, but I moved to Florida, which is, which is even worse. It's like a weird drain pipe for Americans. Uh, <laughs> And at 14, too, parents, please don't expose your children to Florida before the age of 18. Um, I thought that I was American kind of when I'm, or I fancied myself a bit of an American. I knew how to calculate batting average. I liked classic rock and uh, root beer. But I kind of found that really I wasn't. And there's was a lot of things about me uh, that just didn't jive very well. And plus there was a, there was a language barrier too. I spoke mm. English and a lot of people didn't. Uh, five, almost five days, like five times a day I'd have to stop and people would be like, what does compulsory mean? Why did you, what, what's that word you just used? And then you gotta like explain, well, I'm sorry. In, in Nigeria we, we have very big vocabularies and that kind of thing. Uh, and then like inside jokes, cultural references. I didn't know who Chuck Norris was when I moved here. Um, and the, everything that just stops conversation. And so at the, at the start, you get like a conversation stopped like once a minute. And then kind of as you get used to America, it slows down and, 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 you, and you get more used to things or just shutting up when you don't know something. Um, but it was, it was really hard at first. And anyone who's moved to another country, I think you, you get really tired uh, at the end of the day because it's just so exhausting keeping up with all that stuff, especially uh, as it pertains to language. And I began to see Nigeria as sort of this, this balm of the soul, mm. so to speak, if only I could get back. And I know based on all the stuff my dad said, a lot of you are thinking, like, get, get back there. But missionaries can't share the good things about places that they work because they're afraid you'll think they're on vacation or something <laughs> like that. So that really, there are a lot of great, great things about living there. And I just thought, you know, if only, if only I could make my way back, that's, that's really where I belong. Um, mm. And then over time, I came to realize that my experience was only different from other people in so much as it was literal. Uh, and that, as Jamie said, we all have this sort of longing for home. For some people, they think if they had crown molding in one of those, those gas uh, fireplaces that turn on with a switch, then it would finally feel like, like home. Yeah. Uh, and for some people, it's like if I could go to another country, then I'd, then I'd feel like I was home. Um, but to understand this, this nature of... I mean, Jamie stole all the lines I was planning to say that. Sorry, bud. Uh, that that really, it's it's how we're supposed to feel. Yeah. In this world, is yeah. is dislocated. Mm. Mm. That's good. That's good. Thanks, man. Yeah. That's good, Paul. <laughs> I f I feel a big connection to Cole because we are fellow MKs, and MKs stick together. Uh, but my story, I was six when we came back from Rio. So I knew Cole had more of that tangible dislocation than I did. So thank you for sharing. That was awesome, Cole. Um, but he's exactly right. Actually, as Christians, we are not supposed to feel really comfortable here. Amen. That this actually isn't home. And oh, by the way, and that's okay. I don't think I've ever had anyone say, it's okay to not feel at home where you are. Rather, it's like, no, it's a therapeutic, no, we need to, you need to feel, not, not according to the biblical narrative, 
We are longing for the day when we see Jesus face to face and all things are made right and our bodies are completely renewed physically and perfect. And all those who we have lost in faith are with us. And it's a day where our worship is full on and it's not halfway. You know those moments when you're in worship and you're like, I want to worship you so hard, Jesus, and I feel like my worship is like 30% of what, it, what you deserve. And I have zero, I'm not hot to worship you right now. I can't wait for the day when I don't have to deal with that. Because we will see him and we will bow before him and we will embrace him and we will love him 100% purely with everything that we have. Everything we long for will be found in Jesus on that day. That is the, the longing of the Christian heart is I want, Paul said, it's better for me to go because I get to be with him. Paul says these kinds of things, and we're like, the American Christians are like, I don't know, it's pretty nice here. No, he's like, it's better. I want, I want to die and be with him. Because Paul understood something that many of us don't understand. America, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not speaking politically, America is not home. <laughs> and Christianity is not American. And political leaders are not messiahs. But we replace political ideology for what we think will make us happy and be home. Has anybody wondered why there is so much craziness with regard to political ideology right now? It's because we have replaced, I'm talking about the church now, I'm not, I'm not talking about those outside of church. This is a family convo. You know why the church is so divided? It's because we have found home in political parties and not in Jesus. And so my hope is, oh, I'll just be at home if that person is elected. And by the way, that's both sides of the aisles. How can you be a Christian if you voted for that guy? How could you be a Christian if you voted for that guy? Neither of them are Jesus, and neither of them will bring you home, and neither of them will bring peace to your heart and neither of them will bring peace to this country. <laughs> but when we substitute a political party for a home, and then my political party is threatened by a family member, <laughs> by a social media post, you can tell someone has made their political party their home when they react in anger towards anyone that is different from them. Anybody hear what the Lord's saying this morning? <laughs> The reason people respond in anger is because their idol of home has been threatened. Okay, I better. I had a buddy who wrote a book called uh, The Politically Homeless Christian. And I think he's on to something. I think he's on to something. And we should feel a little bit homeless 
as believers. I'm talking about believers here. A little politically homeless. Okay. So what does Paul say? Philippians 3. What, what, what would this look like? What would, what would being citizens of heaven look like? Is it, is it sort of escapist? Is it, is it Christian nationalism? Right? Is it, what, what are we supposed to do? What does it look like? We'll keep going in, in chapter 4, because you know Paul didn't write chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. He just wrote. So if you go into chapter 4, he says, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think, consider, dwell upon, meditate about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in the God of peace. We will be with you. I think one of the largest characteristics I think that the world will see in, in believers is when believers walk around joyful, hopeful, prayerful, and non-anxious which is exactly what Paul just said. Can you imagine what the world would do if they saw the church not squabbling with each other, but being joyful, hopeful, prayerful, and non-anxious? But apparently that is what we're supposed to be in this exiled world. And all of that comes through Jesus Jesus is peace. Jesus is joy. And if you're in a tough spot, what did Paul say? Think about these things. The, the renewal of the mind, Romans 12, 1 and 2. The renewal of the mind. <laughs> I'm renewing my mind to the things of the kingdom rather than CNN and Fox. I'm, I'm renewing my mind. I'm thinking about these things. And I'm walking in joy and in hope and in a non-anxious way. Last thing I want to say, since I'm going to go ahead and step in it. Verse 3 of chapter 4. I just want you to see this. Because it sounds like what I've just said is pretty, you know, it's pretty idyllic, it's a little bit utopian. You know, we're just going to be joyful, happy, hopeful, prayerful, non-anxious. This is going to be great. MCC, great. Chapter 4, verse 3. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree <laughs> in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. I, I love, we don't even know, but this is, what a great little troll by Paul, right? Just dropping this. What are they arguing about? <laughs> is one like BLM and another's Christian nationalist? Like, what's happening? What, what are they arguing about? Is one Gentile-centric and one is Jewish-centric? Is one focused on black skin and the other on white skin? I mean, I'm, under, I'm, I'm wondering. Y'all hear me? 
These are things that we get to walk together as a family. It's not like, oh, do these things. Everything will be fine. Actually, we get to walk together and discover what, as exiles, together. And that's going to mean hard conversations. And I'm not making political statements here, but it means hard conversations about race, and it means hard conversations about politics. It means hard conversations. Agree in the Lord. The church, the church is one of the least agreeing things in the U.S. right now. Have you all noticed that? Paul says, agree in the Lord. I know it sounds cheesy. Exiles stick together. And work it out. And find their home, not in ideology, but in Jesus himself. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to close our, our time with some worship. I'm also going to open up, uh, we've got the communion tables here on your right and your left. And the Lord's Supper is one of those family rhythms. It's one of those, it's one of those exile rhythms. It's one of those rhythms that that we intentionally engage in to remind ourselves again in a world that doesn't understand grace to remind ourselves again what grace looks like what forgiveness looks like and what being in exile looks like for Jesus Jesus willingly voluntarily left to come here that's what the table symbolizes. It symbolizes Jesus coming into our brokenness and having his body broken for us, and having his blood shed for us, that even when we were enemies of his, he loved us and died for us. So when we come to the table and we see that bread, that is an exiled Jesus dying for my sin. And that cup, that's the exiled Jesus' blood spilled and shed for my sin. And at the table, we don't just eat and remember, but it's also a longing for what's coming. Jesus said, I will not drink this cup again until I drink it with you in the new kingdom. So when we are at the table, it is longing for that day where we sit and eat with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where we sit and eat as a church family, where we sit and eat with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We sit and eat. There's coming a day where we will be home and it will be an eternal home. And exiles eat longing for that day, seeking a home prepared by Christ. Will you stand with me? Let me pray for us. Then we're going to worship. We're going to come to the table. And you are free to come as you 
as you wish during this time. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have a plan for us in Cincinnati, Ohio in 2021. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters. And I thank you that we get to walk as exiles together in family. And we thank you for this table. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would draw our minds and our hearts to Jesus as we worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's worship him.